Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, we drink tea and eat crumpets and wax nostalgic over old times. Welcome to Wind's Howling, a companion podcast to The Witcher TV show on Netflix. We'll be diving deep into each episode of the show and exploring the larger context of the story from the games and novels. My name's Abu. I'm Brett. And Brett, we're over the halfway hump, baby. Episode five. We are. We're on the downhill slope. And for those who maybe ears just perked up, I think Omicron has gotten a hold of me. Oh, no. So, yeah, I just started a little bit of a isolation, and I feel okay. It's nothing too bad. Good, good. But this is just a big apology to you for having to edit a lot of this stuff out. <laughs> and for some, I might just say something completely wrong, because my head is about 75% in it, but I'm going to concentrate very hard, as this episode was, it, 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 it got a lot different here in the middle. And it's just so much better. It's really picked up. It really did. It really did. I had a lot of fun with this episode. And props to you, Brett, for powering through this recording today. We'll try not to strain your voice too much. And we won't give you grief when you say something incorrectly. By all means, I can take it. (laughs) So before we dive into the fifth episode of the season, let's take care of some very quick housekeeping. A reminder that these episodes are spoiler-free in terms of the TV show. We have seen the rest of the season, but we won't talk about anything past episode five. That having been said, we do like to include some speculation from the larger Witcher canon, the books, the video games. So be warned, there might be light book spoilers and video game spoilers throughout today's episode. Also, we'd love to hear from our listeners. We've been getting a number of really, really incredible emails, and we want to keep hearing from you. So reach out to us at windshowlingpodcast at gmail.com. And actually, speaking of emails, we have two absolutely iconic emails that we want to talk about today in the mailbag section before we dive into the episode proper. First up, we have an email from Jason Wolfrey. He shared his impressions about season two, and this is some of what he wrote. I really wish Netflix would just give more than eight episodes to the showrunners. The story being told between characters is the real strength of The Witcher across any medium, and I think that still really comes out in the evolution we see between Geralt and Ciri, and in the time we got with the still fantastic Yennefer and Tessaia moments. I also think more episodes would let us spend time with really great side characters. I felt like Yaskir was barely in this season, and my boy Dijkstra was criminally underused. Brett, you said something very similar to Jason's email in our last episode about wishing there were more than eight episodes. I think we all sort of agree on this. Yeah, it would be one of the questions that I would ask either Lauren or some of the creative producers behind it, why it is eight episodes. Because I just, 10 episodes allow things to breathe a little more and it would would just be so much better. I truly believe that. I agree. I agree with you. I agree with Jason's take here in his email. 
more episodes, even just one more, two more. We're not asking for like a 20 episode season, but I think a 10 episode season allows those slower character moments to exist in the show to get more of those moments and for the important relationships, just like Jason says in his email, the real strength of the Witcher is these characters to allow those relationships to grow more. So thanks for writing, Jason. Completely agree with your take on that. Now, in that email, Jason also shared his girlfriend's thoughts with us, and he also shared with us a picture of their dinner as they devoured both season two and some very delicious-looking fajitas. I only bring that up because a few days later, Brett, we got an email simply titled Fajita Guy's Girlfriend. And uh, you guessed it, folks. Helen, Jason's girlfriend herself, wrote out to us because she wanted to set the record straight. This is how she started that email. In his last email, he also attempted to give you my opinions on it as well, but he didn't do it correctly, except for saying that there wasn't enough Geralt ass in the newest season, which I still stand by. So here are my actual opinions. And then in the rest of the email, she shared her thoughts on season two. This absolutely cracked me up. Not only because I agree with the Geralt ass comment, but Fajita Guy's girlfriend was an amazing subject line. <laughs> I did not know what to expect when I opened that email. <laughs> yeah, and ass ass is good, but you know, we've seen ass in animated for or anime form. We've seen it yeah, in the first true. season. I'm still on Hang Dong. <laughs> Team Hang Dong. That's what I'm waiting to see. Right, right. Now we can't share everything that Helen wrote because she talked about season two as a whole, and we want to avoid any future spoilers for now. But here's a little snippet that we did want to discuss. I didn't love that they took away Yennefer's power for the majority of the season. I also thought that it was somewhat odd that after last season, when they made her seem more interested in having babies and not caring as much about magical and political power, that she shifted into being so obsessed with getting her power back. That's interesting. What do you think, Brett? What's been your vibe about this whole Yen losing her power plot? Did it resonate with you? How do you think it affected her character development? Yeah, it was the biggest change to me and the biggest creative decision that they made to do it because it clearly, obviously, does not happen in the books at all. And it is. It's such a massive character change that I think as I rewatch and we analyze these a little more, I'll have much more thoughts on it towards the end mm -hmm. of the season. Right now, I'm kind of up in the air and just really trying to remember and just play it out as it appears on screen. Yeah, that's a totally valid answer. I am kind of with you. I haven't really formed my own thoughts on it as well, but so far, five episodes in, I'm feeling pretty mixed about it. Something we'll definitely touch on once we have wrapped up the whole season. One last thing I want to say about emails before we move on. Helen ended her email with... <laughs> just the most iconic thank you for reading i don't actually listen to your podcast but you seem to make my boyfriend laugh a lot and email oh my god i guess we'll take it <laughs> we'll take it that's incredible helen thank you for writing us jason thank you for writing us fajita guy and fajita girl everyone setting the example for all our listeners please write to us and then make your significant other write to us as well even if they don't listen we love it Okay, Brett, let's jump into today's episode proper. Season two, episode five is called Turn Your Back. We'll start with our summary as usual. Then we'll dive into some key takeaways and lore nuggets. And then we will wrap up with our overall thoughts of the episode. <laughs> 
We head down to a darkest dungeon where Lydia taunts Rince, a convicted sentry and criminal, is to find a girl, a lost little cub. And it's established quickly that Lydia is not working for Nilfgaard and has been hired by a mysterious benefactor to find Ciri. Yet Rince makes it clear he does not intend to work for Emir and the false gods of Nilfgaard. Yeah, Rince makes it very clear that he doesn't want to work for Nilfgaard. And this starts to paint a broader picture for us. There are many mysterious people after Ciri. It's not just Nilfgaard. It's not just the mages. There will be, like Geralt said in the previous episode, a lot of dark forces are converging on Ciri, and he doesn't know how to protect her and he needs help. And here's an example of dark forces, Lydia and Reince. I also want to say really, really quickly, Brett, that Reince is kind of hot. This is not how I pictured him when I read the books. <laughs> He's a good looking dude. <laughs> again, you're right. From the book description, maybe I have to kind of go reread that again. But from like the Gwent, Gwent card, he's kind of he's got this long hair. It almost looks like a vampire because he's got these like claws coming out, these magical like fiery claws coming out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as I'm going to be kind of isolating in my room the next several days, I'm going to be on that rents prison isolated workout. He is just, I mean, <laughs> shredded there. Yeah, he's not doing bad for himself. So Rince basically, and let's see if I can get it in here clean enough. But yeah, snap. He does these snaps, and I, I admit they kind of they were really jarring, like how crisp those snaps were. But Yaskier is tied up in a way that he is not used to, as Rince <laughs> brings the heat, this forbidden fire magic. In this entrance, I'm a sucker for the darkened entrance into the lights. Like Orson Welles' character of the Third Man, uh, Harry Lime is like the ultimate one, one of the most famous ever if you're kind of a film buff or film nerd. Yeah. And this was just excellent. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, it it was incredible. And this is actually how the book Blood of Elves opens as well. We jump to Istrid, who plays a key role in this episode. He's around a lot. He studies hard and he studies long with the bust of King Roegnar gazing over him as Geralt arrives. Oh, sorry, Mr. Rivia. As he calls him. I died at that. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Mr. Rivia. (laughs) I was like, please, please have other people call him that. How many people in Geralt's life have ever called him Mr. Rivia? But it's his accent, too, that's just so proper. Sorry, Mr. Rivia. God, I loved it. (laughs) But Mr. Rivia asked for Istrid's help in solving the mystery of these monoliths and figure out where these new subspecies of monsters are coming from. And this is going to be a massive thing. We get... In a way, honestly, if I had to nitpick in a little way, we get so much exposition about monoliths and monsters where they come from these two that it did kind of feel a little much. I agree. A lot of this episode, while I think it was handled pretty well, was very exposition heavy. A lot of catching people up on the lore and the history of this universe. Yeah, it was also done very well because they didn't really linger on these scenes for too long. They'd come in. They'd really get the information out. And then what seemed like maybe only 30 or 45 seconds, we were then gone to somewhere else. So they did do it that way very well. They head toward this toppled monolith and dissect how Istrid is there to help the elves while in support of an empire that slaughters villages wholesale. And again, this was very good because we started to see this little bit of questioning philosophical Geralt that he does a ton of. This book character is. To me, like his canon character is, he's not just Monster Slayer like that. He questions a lot of people. He's distrustful of a lot of people. And when somebody says, you know, I'm here to help someone, he's going to be, oh, are you? Well, what about this, this? So 
very good, intelligent Geralt showing his face here. Yeah, I loved it. And also, again, we talked about it last episode, that Witcher gray area. There's no real, quote unquote, good guys or bad guys. Everyone's got good and bad about them. So Istrid's not wrong in the decision that he made, but he's also siding with the uh, uh, the oppressors, Nilfgaard, people that are burning villages. We saw what they did to Sintra last season. It's all very muddy. Yeah. And Nilfgaard's soldiers decide, hey, we're going to go harass the main character and his companion. And they subsequently eat shit. Istrid <laughs> hits him with what looks like a ard. Yeah. A mage ard there. Yeah, it was impressive. I liked that we established that Istrid can hold his own as well. Because we haven't really ever seen him fight. Yeah. And I was glad that we saw him take down this Nilfgaardian soldier. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we're going to get a short of ice. So that might be as close as we get to yeah. them getting at it. <laughs> so we're going to head to Kaer Morin. Ciri trains while Triss and Vesemir discuss the future of Witchards, and Vesemir seems hell-bent on reactivating Witcher School. Triss says she will help, but only if Ciri wants to do it. She is granting Ciri, or at least allowing her agency in this decision. Right. And this is an interesting change for Vesemir. In the books, in the video games, he's never so obsessed with bringing the Witchers back. And the books and games actually treat the Witchers very much as a dying breed with no chance of coming back. So this is a show creation, this elder blood being the key to unlocking the Witcher mutations that then allow them to create more Witchers. That's a show plotline, and I'm interested to see where they take this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was just impossible to do it. Like it's said in here with the Sack of Kermoran or whatever, that it was lost. They just simply weren't able to do it. And the only time right. I could think of it coming up in Witcher media was in The Witcher 3 when they subject Uma to the trials in a way to like turn him into non-cursed form. Mm -hmm. Back in Oxenford, Yen is searching the streets for Yaskier. But Yaskier is uh, being submitted to this torture. He isn't breaking because he doesn't know anything about where Geralt and Ciri are. That's the thing about torturing someone. If they don't know anything, <laughs> you can't torture out information that they can conjure out of nothing. But he does let something slip about a Witcher keep. Rince explains that fire is forbidden. That's another thing that we really get hit over the head about over and over, is that fire magic is forbidden. When a drunk Yennefer shows up, and I can always imagine what it's like when an actor has to pretend to be drunk. And those yeah. just rehearsals and like, uh, am I uh -huh. getting it? Is, is this a bit too much? <laughs> and whatnot there, so... But you yeah. can tell Anya Chalatra had fun in this scene. <laughs> she hammed it up a bit. I loved it. Uh, I hope to think maybe the night before she was practicing uh, <laughs> with some uh, the best Toussaint wine, some Est Est straight. Right. From the there. best acting isn't acting at all. There you go. But due to this and this wonderful move by Rince, uh, oh, sorry, this wonderful move by Yennefer, Rince can now say, do you want to know how I got these scars? And away they go. That was awesome. Because I was thinking about, okay, are they gonna are they gonna burn Rince? Is he gonna have that? You don't need to have that. It's just some kind. It was a cool scene from the books. But then it's like Yen doesn't have magic. How are they gonna do it? And the way they did it, I thought was really really cool. Yeah, I loved it, and I actually liked that Rince got his iconic scar. It's not the biggest of deals, but it is a part of his character, and I'm glad we figure out a different way to get to the same end result with his face, half his face, getting burned up like that. Back in Kiermore, Ciri is disappointed she was not allowed to go to Sintra with Geralt, and Vesemir begins to lay his plan to witcherize her. 
So this right here got a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't, oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to use the term or the word grooming, but he's grooming Siri, is he not? Absolutely. That's the exact vibe that I got was that he's not, he's presenting her a quote unquote choice, yeah. but it's not really much of a choice. He's manipulating her knowing how she feels and how she'll want to help. Yep. He's manipulating her to just come to that decision. Absolutely. So we get some background on the conjunction of the spheres and beginning of witchers, mages weaponized monsters, which backfired. And then so they weaponized men to kill the monsters. Again, we've gotten a ton of this. We got it in Nightmare of the Wolf. I fully expect Blood Origin. So it's this constant, again, my reminder to say this is just tying everything into this universe together. He says Siri can help make them create new witchers and thus carry on. Again, knowing that she's going to want to do it. Like she very clearly wants to be a witcher. At this point, he says, you know, we're all impressed by you. And it's again, just come on, Vesemir. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it feels scummy. Siri realizes she has elder blood and says Kalantha hated elves, to which Vesemir responds, sometimes our deepest hate is for the things we cannot change about ourselves. A great line. Great line. I loved that. Siri says to test it on her, but visions of dead children race through Vesemir's mind, and he says, forget it. We get a couple more images of the trials and just how just ungodly horrific they are. Yeah, that shot where the camera pans through the room, bunch of dead boys dead laying in their God. cots. Ugh, that was brutal. It was a split second, but that image really stuck with me. I genuinely wonder if people who really like The Witcher and think about it really understand that about the trial of the grasses it's one thing to st- yeah. <laughs> well it's one thing to throw out the statistic of oh three out of ten survived or there's seven dead children and i was like these are dead children who died like basically almost being tortured to death like the worst disease yeah. or plague you can think of and from what we hear they didn't put them out of their misery because it was well if they get through it they'll survive but we don't know unless they die right it's like this is terrible y'all <laughs> Yeah, it's the end result that matters. It's all about whether they survive it and get through it. They yeah. either die or they become witchers. There's no there's no middle ground. All right, so Siri flips it on him and he agrees to go through with it. I've destroyed so many things. Please just let me heal something for once. And a big thing on Siri at this moment, I love that they're putting this in, like this arc and this part of her development, that so much of her has been laid in ruin. She's been told, you know, time and time again, you bring death. You know, that's something that comes up all throughout the books and all about later about her character is at this point, she sees herself as this force of destruction and now she can actually help for once. Right. She has watched loved ones die. She has killed, albeit accidentally killed people. And she has seen nothing but horror, bloodshed and death surround her ever since escaping from Sintra. So it's not hard to imagine that she's dealing with some heavy trauma and when presented with this opportunity to do some good in the world for a group of people that she unequivocally loves, yeah, she would jump at that chance. I will say to Vesemir's credit in this scene, though, I'm curious what you thought about this. I really liked that as soon as she was like tested on me, he immediately stopped. He was like, nope, never mind. Forget it. We're not doing yeah, this. True, true. I really liked that because I think if he had jumped at the opportunity, that would have been incredibly weird and even more out of character for him. I liked that he recognizes that the trial is not a good thing and he loves Siri. She's also a girl. They don't know what these mutations do to girls. And so he tries to at least at first immediately cut it off before she convinces him. 
Yeah, and that was something I actually forgot to write down was when this first came up, I'm like, well, of course they're going to do it on her. So who was he planning on trying it on? <laughs> yeah. Like, was he about to go down to that local town to one of those sex mm. workers, children, be like, hey, anybody got you an extra a new child? Life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you know what? We don't talk about that, Brett. Let's not think too hard about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's moving on. Okay, so whenever I put in the script, whenever we went to the monolith, I just have it as monolith. Yeah, yeah. We we cut back to the monolith a lot. Yeah. Episode. So I, if I were just go monolith, that means we're back there. <laughs> Istrid says the monoliths are scars from the conjunction, massive surges of energy, and conduits to channel it, which he theorizes are these monoliths. Again, we brought it up before. There's a lot of conjunction eposition this episode. Uh, 100% honesty, this stuff, my eyes just kind of, kind of glaze a little bit and I kind of just hope it kind of moves on. This does not, this just really does nothing for me. And luckily we spend very short amounts of time back in the monolith and with this exposition, it's basically just Istrid and Geralt walking around and talking. All right. So now we just jump back quickly again and the trial begins. Triss hooks Siri up. With some of that good shit, that real black blood looking <laughs> jank. And right, those Witcher mutations, baby. God. Like, I don't know. It's it's not that it was just so dark. It looked like it was almost hot, like it was gonna boil or something. And yeah, yeah goopy. This was, this goopy is, a, is the word you're looking for. Yes. And I'm <laughs> and then the the syringes was like six or seven like needles in this huge thing, and I'm like, okay. Needles needle well, like a one needle, I don't care. I can get a shot. I don't care. Actually, I did just get a steroid shot. Needles do nothing for me drawing blood or whatever, but this massive gun looking thing with like seven of them, about a quarter <laughs> thick. Yeah, that's a bit, that's a right. bit much. Yikes. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So jumping in quick, 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 quick. Yen and Yaskier make a hasty getaway, as they've done a lot this episode and recently, from some peasants when the friendly sex worker helps Yennefer. Oh, wait, never mind. She sold her out. Back at Kermora and Triss grills Siri about her decision to do the witching. Siri is tired of feeling lost and that everything she was told was a lie. What is she talking about? What what was a lie? Maybe the elf Kalantha stuff, but was there anything else like that big? I think she just is starting to realize she maybe lived in a very princess royalty bubble. Okay, true. And the bubble. truth okay, of the true. world, like some of the horrors that she's seen, no one really told her about. Yeah, or no hid dead from on. Her. Yeah. That was my take on it, at least. No, 100%. Like, I guess, I guess I was looking more specifics in there, like, oh, I wasn't really a princess or this wasn't it. But no, I think you're right that this there is this world out here that has a lot of struggle, a lot of turmoil, and that her devoted, again, grandmother was a large part of the problem as well. Yep. So. Oh, yeah. It's easy to imagine Calanthe hit a lot from Siri growing up. Yeah, which, again, would make sense. Sheltered princess. Triss says she can perform Dol Dusha, go into the deepest layer of her consciousness, the subconscious, as I'm teaching psychology this semester, it's going to be a big thing. <laughs> yeah, the deepest in there. And so Siri goes to this tavern setting where she sees the witchers who are just, again, broing down, which is, you know, what they do out there in the taverns. <laughs> she sees Dara. So Dara's still in her mind, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. She sees mm -hmm. Kalantha, of course. And then, ooh, who she cowers at the sight of is Kair, the black-helmed raptor of Sintra. Right, the source of many of her nightmares. She also sees Pavetta there, and somehow Pavetta looks like she can actually see Siri as well, as it is not how it's supposed to work, as others start to join in talking directly to them. She hears herself crying, 
as Dooney and Pavetta discuss leaving under the cover of darkness, this is the night they died. Oh, this was such a creepy scene. I loved when Pavetta turned to Siri and started acknowledging them. And Triss is like, what the fuck is happening? The projections can see us. It was a very creepy moment. I loved it. Yeah, she didn't She didn't seem in too big of a hurry to really get her out of there. She's like, we should go, Siri. We should go. It's like, no, you need to. You need to grab her and get the hell out of there. Yeah, I would have panicked, but she lets this scene play out. And I do want to call out one quote that her father actually says, because you said something very similar last episode. He's talking about prophecy. And in the scene, he says, quote, it doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters if people believe it, end quote. And we talked a lot about that in a previous episode about Ciri's destiny and her bloodline and the prophecies that surround her. They may or may not be true, but it almost doesn't matter if they are because people will still act on them. People will still believe in them. Yeah, this is the biggest difference between what truth and fact. This is a truth. If someone believes something happens and acts accordingly, that's the truth. A fact is something that actually happened. If a five-year-old kid believes in Santa Claus and believes the way they act will get them gifts or give something like that, they're then acting in a different way that is real. And everything they're based on, their beliefs, is real because that is there, so this is going to happen. They will change their behavior based on it. It doesn't matter if it's not real to you or me or if it's not factual. It is the truth to them, and it changes things. And you can see that in the way people make laws or do whatever. It doesn't matter if what they're believing in is tangible If they believe in it, they act accordingly and do things, then in a way, it's real. Yeah, absolutely. So the scene ends with a bright light as death lays before them. Monolith. It wasn't a conjunction. The original spheres are calling to them, and the monsters are new to hear and are gateways. Istrid admits he came to Sintra to look for Yennefer. It wasn't about the elves. It's always a girl. And they have a Martha moment for Yenna. I didn't see that movie. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's a Batman versus Superman Uh, joke right there. Batman versus Superman. Yeah, and again, it's Henry Cavill. So, (laughs) And I was like, you know what? Even I know that, even though I haven't seen that movie, that just hurt so much about the Martha moment. Oh, my God, the fucking Martha. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a whole, like, what, seven-hour special podcast to discuss? (laughs) (laughs) Right, for real. Yeah. Yeah. So they have this Martha moment with Yenna and Geralt corrects her or corrects him about the pronunciation. And Geralt learns that reports of her demise have been greatly exaggerated. Ooh, I loved this. This was so juicy. Just the, the awkward tension in the air and the Yenna, Yen moment between them yeah. was so well done. I loved it. I had, a, I had like a goofy grin on my face this whole scene. I'll admit it. To some people, it may be actual kind of like cliched or whatever, but I'm a sucker for that slow reveal where someone's talking in the present tense and someone's talking in the past and the other person picks up like, why are you talking in the present tense? Like they're, they're gone, but no, they're not. And then, Ooh, I thought it was well done here. I know I've been critical about a lot of things, but I thought this was well done. And we got to see Henry Cavill with this, got to act in that slow realization of holy shit, Yennefer is alive. Yeah, he he did a lot with very little on screen, just looking right into the camera, his eyes lighting up. All right, so now let's let's gear up because we're getting to 
up to this point, what may be, and you know, I'm just going to say, this is my favorite scene in the series up to this point of all wow, of okay. them. Because, okay. I mean, come on, look what it hits at. Yeah. An elf cradles a baby and tells the story of Lara Doran, and we soon can pretty much deduce this is Lara Doran, who then attacks Triss. So they're still in the midst of this trance, but now it is hands-on. She is choking <laughs> Triss. And I'll, I'm going to try to get through this because, again, I just, oh, my God, I love all this stuff. Child of elder blood, child of wrath, the time of contempt is nigh. The world will die amidst frost and be reborn of the new sun, reborn of elder blood, of the seed that has been sown, a seed that will not spread but will burst into flame. And in the sky are these spectral riders. And oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, lighter oh was gosh. in the air. Uh, this, this is what I'm here for. This is why, of all the criticisms, we're seeing The Witcher on screen. And they hit us with this. And I'm just like, okay, fuck all the criticisms. I'm in. <laughs> I'm that easy. Jangle keys in front of me. Dangle these spectral riders in front of me with Ithlian's prophecy. And I'm 10 out of 10. A+. plus. <laughs> I loved it. I remember getting to this scene hitting pause, grabbing my phone, and texting you immediately about this, yep. about the Spectral Riders. I knew we were going to get them this season just because of whatever leaks and yada yada hype before the season came out. I thought this was a really fun introduction to them. It was awesome. Yep. They get out of this trance. Siri kind of gets them back at Kermoran. And Triss is terrified of what she saw in these visions. And this was really unsettling. As she says, yeah. something is ending. It's because of you. You will destroy us all. I saw it. No one can stop it. And I'm unsettled. Siri backs out of the room, kind of runs away like, oh, my God, this, you know, Triss, someone she's come to know and really trust, is now terrified of her. This was a very, very creepy scene overall. And for our listeners, we talked about Siri's prophecies and her bloodlines. And this should make you think a little about our takeaways from the last episode. Guess where we're going back to? Monolith. Monolith, baby. Monolith. <laughs> Geralt and Istrid hear Ciri's voice again like, oh, man, and bear witness to a new super monster that can now fly. And the easiest way to sum it up is Geralt. Fuck. That's it. That <laughs> so says good. it all. Fuck. He's so good at that. It's incredible. The monster looked pretty cool, too. Like this crystal dragon. It looked good. I guess luckily for them, it flew off. Maybe bad for whoever it may run into. <laughs> right. Bad for the nearest goat. All right. So triple jump around. Siri, now in an awful state of mind, definitely not one to be making decisions like this. Yeah. Demands the trial be done now. And he starts to hook her up. And in the nick of time, Geralt arrives and says, no, you are already enough, Cirilla. You are extraordinary. Yeah, this was so good. This was a very touching scene that I won't say too much right now in the summary because our takeaway later is all about this and there's more to say, but I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, we kind of put in here, this again is denying Siri some agency. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. She is a child. He has deemed himself her basic father or guardian, but just another notch on the belt or on the wall of someone not allowing Siri to do what she wants to do. And she seems to accept it, but at the same time, it's again, it's another thing where someone's telling her what to do and in a way controlling her. Yeah, absolutely. You can imagine how these little notches might start to add up 
But Siri says, I want to be like you. I want to be indifferent to the past, to the lies, to the things I've done. That tells us so much about where her headspace is at at this moment. So good. I also loved Geralt's response to it. I think his response is quite mature because he says, that is not how it works. Neither you nor I can just forget who we are. We can't kill our feelings. Our best chance is to kill the hatred that we may hold on to and move on. Who? Chills. I loved that. Yeah, that's my quote of the episode. And again, if that was my favorite scene, this may be my favorite line from all of The Witcher and honestly, maybe everything. Because it's not just, it says our best chance is to kill the hatred we may hold on to and move on. To me, in a way, that can be also just the past or anything you don't want to think about or worry about. And I won't get bogged down in it, but I've had a very big life change this past year. And a lot of what I've had to do to move on is kill the past and kind of in a weird way, kill who I was. And it was hard, but I'm better for it. And so hearing this was exactly pretty much what I've had to do over the course of the past 10 to 11 months. And, you know, to see it in here on screen, I really hope some other people maybe caught wind of that and viewers heard that and thought, you know what, I need to do that too. I need to let things go to cure myself and move on. Absolutely. That's not just advice for Siri. That's good advice for all of us. So after that sob scene, in Sintra or Zintria, Frangilla and Francesca enjoy their partnership as Commander Kair Mar Differen Epkielik endears himself to the local L's, saying, <laughs> just screaming, who the fuck are you, right at Philavandral. Uh, God, it's what like, an asshole. Bro, chill, okay? <laughs> like, you don't have any insignia or any ID saying who you are. Like, these elves just might be, get this guy the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, so out of Sintra, the final scene we get to. That this mother taunts her little piglet, Yennefer, hitting on the old taunts from Tessaia, into asking to return her magic and hut hut off to the shrieking shack they go. I've watched a lot of Harry Potter <laughs> lately. Shrieking shack. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, hut hut goes there. Sure, shrieking shack. That's still in my head. Love it. Love the it. key to getting her power back is a girl, Cyrilla Fiona Ellen Rhiannon, and taking her to a shattered black door just outside Centra. Huge reveal at the end of the episode here. Yeah, it's a face-to-face -face of Yen and Siri. Yeah, a major moment. And a huge diversion from the books, to be clear. This deathless mother plotline, Yen losing her magic plotline, show only, but it's setting up a potential major confrontation now between Yennefer and Cirilla. Yen wants her magic back, and seemingly the only way to do it is to capture Siri. So add Yen to the long list of people trying to capture Siri. Yep. Okay, with that summary out of the way, we're going to take a short break, but stick around because when we come back, we're going to dive into our two key takeaways from this episode. See you in a minute. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, folks. Let's dive into our takeaways from today's episode. First up, we want to talk a little bit about the Witchers and the Conjunction, kind of go over some basic Witcher backstory stuff and briefly touch on the Conjunction of Spheres. So there's obviously a lot of talk about the Witchers in this episode and them potentially coming back to lay some groundwork about the background of the Witchers and what we know thus far from the books. We know that there are a couple of named Witchers that we meet. There's obviously Geralt, there's Eskel, Lambert, Vesemir, and Cohen. We meet these guys at Kaer in the books. And then in Season of Storms, Geralt also comes face-to-face with a cat witcher named Brienne, is how I'm going to pronounce that. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the witchers we know from the books. The difference between the show and the books, obviously, is that Kaer is much more populated in the show. There's a number of other nameless witchers that are in the background in a lot of scenes. In the books, there are also a number of witcher schools. There's the Wolf School which is Kaer where most of our boys are from. There's also the Eagle School, the Griffin School, and the Cat School. And the way these schools operated was basically they had their own training methods, they created their own witchers, and for the most part, they tried to stick to their own territories, which limited competition and also made it so when witchers came across each other, they weren't fighting over contracts and stuff. If it was under your jurisdiction, you got the contract. Yeah, and the games adds Bear, Viper, Manticore. Yeah, the video game adds a couple more schools as well. In Season of Storms, we get a little bit of backstory on the Witchers and perhaps their origin story. We're told that Cosimo Malaspina and his apprentice Alzur were the ones who created the Witchers and the mutations. The mutations that Vesemir in today's episode is so obsessed with creating again. And with the help of Idarin, who was then Alzur's apprentice, they continued to create monsters and witchers and do all this mage tampering. We got a little bit of background about that in today's episode as well. Vesemir explaining to Ciri that mages created monsters and tampered with them. That got out of control, and thus they had to create witchers to contain that problem. Yeah, a big Gwen expansion a few months ago was this Price of Power, and it introduced a all of these three as cards. But yeah, the monster, Season of Storms, when Geralt finds this monster, this Idar, and then like 12 or 15 numbers, really, really weird. And it's just like, oh, it's kind of one of those, why did they, you know, why did they create it? Was it for the greater good? Was it because they were drunk on power and they could? And it just simply got out of hand. Yeah. It's messy. The origin story of the Witchers is very, very messy. And a distinct difference between the show and the books, in the books, one of the through lines all throughout the stories is that the Witchers, ever since their creation, have actually uh, (laughs) been too good at their jobs. And monsters are now becoming rarer and rarer. 
it's harder and harder for them to find work, to get money, and there's fewer and fewer dangerous monsters out there for these witches to kill. It's a profession where they are destroying their own demand, basically. The better they are at their jobs, the more monsters get killed, the less work there is to do next year. And that's what's happening in the books, all throughout the books. Geralt grapples with this idea that the world is changing and that perhaps there is no longer a place for people like him in this new world order. Yeah, that was a big touching point of Nightmare of the Wolf was the monsters were kind of dying out. So Deglin and them kind of created newer ones or allowed them to be created so they would still have a profession and a lifestyle. Yep, yep. And that's seemingly what's happening in this season of the show as well. Because with these monoliths and this mystery that we're starting to unpack with Istrid, we're realizing that new species of monsters are starting to show up from other realms because of these monoliths. And that's potentially a different direction the show is going, where instead of monsters becoming fewer and fewer, we're just getting different and scarier types. <laughs> and speaking of all of this monolith conjunction of sphere stuff, for the folks who are not brushed up on their conjunction of sphere history, I wanted to just very quickly touch on it. Basically, 1,500 years before the books take place, this cataclysmic event, which came to be known as the Conjunction of Spheres, rocked the multiverse. And what happened was that a number of realms, quote-unquote, collided and brought to our world these scary new monsters and brought to our world chaos, which in this universe is magic. Think of this, I guess, like the Big Bang of this universe. All of these different realities all collided and things started to mix and match in between them. And that's what's happening in the show as well. That glass dragon isn't a creature that exists in this universe, but because of the monoliths, it slipped through an alternate reality. Yeah, it's kind of like they're doing their own new conjunction of the spheres or a new one that might happen here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is their way of saying, uh-oh, like another potential cataclysmic event could be happening. Right. So it'll be interesting to see where the show takes this. But just in case you heard all of these terms, conjunction this, which or that, there is your first takeaway for today. A little refresher on who the witchers are, where they come from, and what the conjunction of spheres is. Let's talk about takeaway number two. We already gushed a lot about that scene where Geralt stops Siri from taking the injection. But let's break it apart a bit more. Siri in that scene wants to be a witcher. She wants to be just like Geralt. And we've talked about how trauma is such an important part of Siri's character. She's also clearly dealing with some feelings of guilt. She's getting this sense that everyone around her keeps getting hurt or dies, and that perhaps she is partly responsible for it. Almost the sort of destiny having two edges. Hey. They, they haven't they haven't used that in the show yet. And I can't believe they haven't. That's a fucking great line too. And it's just sitting there. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's what they've got in the chamber and they're waiting for a really good time to do it. But yeah, we spoke about it before that it seems to be following her and she sees a time right now to actually be able to change it. And if it comes up again, I don't know if she's actually gonna be able to say no the next time. Yeah, uh, I really feel for Siri. The other thing I wanted to very quickly point out about this scene that resonated with me 
was Siri also looks up to Geralt as a parent, right? He is her father figure at this point. And the way she perhaps sees him is as someone who is unaffected by the fear and trauma that she herself feels, that she feels almost crippled by. And that's, of course, how Geralt presents himself to the world. He's this stoic, emotionless monster hunter who doesn't give a shit. And I think because she's young, impressionable, dealing with a lot of heavy shit, she's perhaps equating Witcher equals Geralt. Witcher equals I don't have to deal with the heavy emotional stuff that I'm dealing with right now. And that is a motivating factor for her wanting to become a Witcher so much. I love that the show is exploring this sort of deeper emotional desire within Ciri, this longing to not just be like Geralt physically, to be a fighter, but to be like him emotionally, be this stoic, gruff, brush-everything-off-your-shoulders kind of person, which she obviously is not. And that, to me, is so powerful because we all look up to our parents somewhat in that way. When we're younger, parents are infallible in our eyes. And it isn't until much later, probably when we are ourselves into adulthood, that we start to see our parents as just the people they always were, with the same fears and insecurities that everyone has. Well, it also would be something that you or me and 99.9% of other people, maybe 99%, can't really relate to is Geralt isn't just some other guy. He is special. Like, in his world is an equivalent of a top athlete a top musician, a, you know, high-ranking politician, something like that. Like, he is special. She knows it. She's being raised by somebody who is world-renowned, if you will, based on Yaskier's songs and all that. And I've kind <laughs> yeah. of always wondered about that, too. When you see, like, let's take, like, LeBron James' kid. When that kid's, like, four or five, he has no, that kid does not have any idea who his dad is. It's just the dad that everybody sees. And then as they grow up and they realize, holy shit, like, my dad is beyond special, and then they carry that into adulthood. In a way, that's kind of what Siri is realizing here is this guy is special. I do want to be like him and potentially maybe warts and all. That's a really good point. She is sort of being trained by one of the best. And that's a giant pair of shoes to try and fill. And I think she, she wants to live up to not only her own potential, but also make Geralt proud. It's beautiful stuff. I love that they're exploring this part of Siri. So a big thing we've kind of hit on before and all the time as it was really the crux of the Witcher 3 main story and your decisions that could actually change it was how you treated Ciri, what agency yeah. you really gave her. And Geralt forbids her attempting the trial of the grasses mainly by saying she is so strong that she does not need the mutations. And I like that she hit on, oh, because I'm a girl. And it's just like, no, because it's just terrible in general. But it's probably a little bit in there as well. It's probably that she's a girl. Yeah, yeah. And I just like how it seems that Geralt is against creating new witchers. Like he knows that this is a curse and does not want it for his child. And that to me was always the biggest thing about wanting to create more witchers and the, the law of surprise and all of that was, no, this is just bad. Y'all are the epitome of a necessary evil. Yeah. And why would you want to keep this up? Why would you want to keep that going? Because from what I've gathered throughout all of the stories, all the Witcher media, no matter who's done it, nobody is ever just like, man, I fucking love being a Witcher. Like, it's awesome having this <laughs> life that I got to have. But for the most part, it is. It's just, Geralt understands this sucks. I don't want this for anybody. Right. His daughter should not be subjected 
to the childhood and the pain and bloodshed and the horrible life that he had and to some extent still has. He still goes out on the path. He still jumps into fucking dirty ass bogs trying to kill giant spider creatures. Like, no, nobody wants that for their kid. Like, Geralt realizes that Siri is perhaps making a choice she doesn't fully understand here and thus chooses to stop her. Yeah, and they actually say here's the big, you know, I don't know call it famous or infamous or whatever, but he says no witchers die in their beds. And all yep. witches are destined for a violent death. And why would he really want that? <laughs> why would he want that for Siri of all people? Yeah, absolutely. So that's takeaway number two. Siri's desire to be more like Geralt, to be a witcher, and to desperately overcome this fear and trauma that she's grappling with. I love that the show is exploring all of this stuff so deeply. Okay, Brett, let's wrap up today. Final big picture thoughts. What did you think about episode five? I loved this episode and I might, because remember, I don't, I don't rate them. I don't do anything like that. I might say, again, it could just be a little bit of a, a little bit of a recency bias. I think this might be my favorite episode. I loved wow. the moments that were in there, the lines. This again, as much as I loved it, this is what is so frustrating about the show because what did we not get this episode? Monster fight. There was not, there was a monster and it flew away, but there wasn't a monster fight. It was all talking. It was all advancing plot. It was all advancing character. Like I said, the only thing that stuck out that was a little bit iffy was Geralt's and Istrid's a lot of exposition about that, but it worked. The two did great. It delivered a great uh, finish with Yennefer or finding out that Yennefer was alive and just the moments, the writing, this is as good as the show can be. And I'll just say it, it's probably my favorite of the season. Wow. Yeah, I loved it as well. I won't go so far as to say it was my favorite, but it's up there. I loved it for a lot of the same reasons you just said. No big ham-fisted CGI fest monster fight. A lot of great character moments, character development. The plot's moving along at a brisk pace. We're getting exposition where we need it, but it's not bogging us down. All of that was handled really, really, really well. I loved getting the Geralt Istrid extremely cringe Yen moment. I was looking forward to that all season. So glad it was handled well. If I had to criticize this episode, I would say the parts that kind of made me yawn and look away from the screen where every time we'd cut back to Yen and Yaskier, just running through the streets of Oxenfurt. I liked the Yaskier getting tortured and saved. I don't know that I needed multiple scenes of them sort of running around in Oxenfurt. So that would be my one minor criticism, is I could have done with a little less of that. Overall, though, spectacular episode, and I loved it. More of this, please. Well, Abu, podcasts are podcasts, lesser, greater, middling. They're all the same. But we've completed our contract and it's time to collect our reward. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the path.